0: And one of my biggest concerns and hopes and and uh, I guess you could say a little bit of a worry was that uh, we would not be able to meet as a church for these special days looking at Palm Sunday and then Easter next Sunday. And that looks to be the case, but uh, that doesn't mean we can't celebrate it. I had a great conversation uh, with one of our church members yesterday uh, a, a, along with the fact that uh, just because... Uh, we can't be together, does not cancel anything out. Easter is not canceled. Uh, Palm Sunday is not canceled. We can still celebrate the resurrection and and celebrate what Jesus Christ did for us. So well, today I want to talk about this subject of Palm Sunday. Luke chapter 19 is where we'll be at this morning. I want to read a couple of verses in a few moments. But uh, being Palm Sunday, today is a day that is marked by people flocking together to honor the Messiah, and then I was thinking today, here we are in 2020, thank you, we are uh, marking this day that celebrated, everybody coming together to celebrate Christ, today we're cele- celebrating it by social distancing, but as I said, we can still lift him up and honor him uh, despite uh, the situation of where we're at. I pray that we'll be able to get together soon and uh, as we'll continue to do so. I want to look at Luke chapter 19, if you have your Bibles, verse number 37. The Bible says, When he was come nigh, even now, at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said, Unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. Can you imagine that? Lifting up and praising Jesus Christ, and they always somebody that has to criticize. And so he says in the answer and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. Uh, Again, as we're looking at this day, Palm Sunday, I want to ask that the Lord will give us a special insight into his word, and may it speak to us. In a, in, a, in a way that we can apply to our life. Father, I pray that you would bless the reading of your word and help us as we apply it now. In Jesus' name, amen. The story we're reading about, it's a springtime Sunday about the year 30 A.D. Jerusalem is crowded with pilgrims, people who are coming all over, uh, from all over the world. They're, uh, they're not only filling up Jerusalem, but the neighboring villages as well. News has spread among the crowds that Jesus was coming. He had commandeered the use of a donkey colt, and he is about to march into Jerusalem. A great multitude is coming forth to meet him. Now, Jesus had sent two disciples to get a colt for him, and we didn't read that part of the scripture this morning, but I'll point out a couple of verses because this colt is a marvelous picture of the Christian life. First we see it had to be redeemed in verse number thirty of Luke chapter nineteen the Bible says and uh, saying go ye into the village over against you, in the which at your entering you shall find a colt tied whereupon never yet never man sat, loose him and bring him hither. Uh, the law of Moses in Exodus chapter thirteen, verse thirteen, the Bible says every firstling of an ass shalt thou redeem with a lamb, and if thou wilt not redeem it, then thou shalt break his neck. This cult had to be redeemed. Secondly, he had to be released. He was tied to a post. He had life, but he was not free. He did not have liberty. It was still in bondage. Jesus told him, if anybody asks you what you're doing, you just say the Lord hath need of him. And so uh, that wasn't all, though. They brought this redeemed and this released cult to Jesus, and then it had to be ruled. Uh, if, if it had not been released, at which it was released, but it had not been released to kick up its heels and run off uh, to its own freedom. No, no, it was brought under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. The disciples, the Bible says, cast their garments upon the colt and they sat Jesus thereon. It surrendered its will to him. Uh, he, It went where he wanted it to go. It did what he wanted it to do. Listen, now today, uh, the exciting thing is that the only job this colt had was to lift up Jesus Christ so that everybody might be able to see him. And isn't that a great picture of the Christian life? We also are redeemed from our lost condition. We are uh, released from the clutches of sin. Now we are to be ruled by the one who has redeemed us. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, the Bible says, "What "...know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own." Our one job now as redeemed, released, and ruled children of God, our one job is to lift Christ up so that he may be seen by everyone, even through us. John 12, 32, the Bible says, Jesus actually said this, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Now, Jesus' purpose on this day was not like his usually low-key entrances where he went. Uh, Normally, Jesus did not want to be a spectacle, did not like to be made into a spectacle. He discouraged parade-type behavior under normal circumstances. But today was different. Today he will fulfill the prophecy of Zechariah when it says in chapter 9, verse 9, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Jerusalem. Shout, O daughter of of Zion. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation lowly and riding upon an ass, and upon a colt, uh, the foal of an ass. Today, Jesus will be separated, uh, celebrated, I'm sorry. Matthew tells us in verse 5, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek and sitting upon an ass, and the colt, the foal of an ass. So he's quoting Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Now this animal that we find Jesus riding on is a beast of burden. Uh, there was little in this scene that would disturb the Romans. I mean, you think about the picture that they saw. Uh, of course, they would be familiar with the emperors that are riding in on their uh, war horses or marching legions of people around them. But this was just a bunch of excitable Jewish people escorting a man in a peasant's robe riding on a beast of burden. But Jesus' entry was a great time. Of celebration and the world has celebrated it ever since as Palm Sunday the emperors of that day are mostly forgotten but to this day we still celebrate the proclamation and the procession of this humble king who sat on a donkey and used old clothes for a saddle the triumphant entry was his last appeal to Jerusalem to recognize him for who he was now, the followers of Jesus, we have to understand, wanted a, er, an earthly kingdom. Uh, they were done with Rome. They wanted a deliverer. Her, uh, they uh, were tired of the wicked rulers over them. And so they were probably ready to pick up their swords and their shields and go to battle with one who would lead them. But Jesus did not come for that purpose. In Matthew 5, But I say unto you, love your enemies Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. And Matthew 5.39, again, Jesus said, resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. The goal of the Messiah and the goal of the general public, we have to understand, was at odds on this day. Now Pontius Pilate had already entered Jerusalem. He had his best battle-hardened Roman soldiers ready to suppress any uprising. Harold Antipas, the one who had beheaded John the Baptist shortly before this, he also arrived with great ceremony. Such power and pageantry as the people were watching all this throughout that week. Then here comes Jesus. The Bible says all the city, in then Matthew actually in verse 21 or uh, verse 10 of chapter 21 of Matthew, the Bible says, all the city was moved, saying, who is this? From the Greek word translated moved in Matthew 21.10, we get our English word seismic. It's interesting because really the truth of the matter is Jesus' triumphal entry shook Jerusalem both morally and spiritually. Jews from all over wanted to know who this man was And the answer was given in chapter 21, verse 11, Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. Again, the Romans sat by idly. They're watching all these people flock to Jesus, but probably in their view, this was a big joke. Uh, A king on a donkey. (laughs) This wasn't anything to be worried about. No self-respecting king would be found dead on a donkey. If you want to make an impact, ride a war horse or uh, surrounded by soldiers or coming on a chariot, but on a donkey, not a chance. It's not hard to imagine the Romans laughing as they watched this spectacle. A pauper king riding on a borrowed donkey, his saddle just a layer of clothing, a mob whose only weapons were palm branches. He didn't look much like a king that day, but that's the whole point. He was a king, and he is a king, but he wasn't an earthly king. Jesus is sending a clear message to the nation. I am your king, but I am not the king that you were expecting. You see, Jesus conquers not nations. He does not conquer governments. He conquers hearts and minds. And even though the Roman soldiers were not Worried or not alarmed, the Jewish authorities were enraged. We saw in verse number 39 and 40, they're trying to get Jesus to shut this whole thing down. They hated this. Jesus would have none of it and sent them packing. What we have to, again, and I mentioned a minute ago, but we have to understand the reason the, the people are lavishing all this praise on Jesus. It's not because they recognized him as their Messiah. They wanted a deliverer. They wanted someone to lead them in a revolt against Rome because we see this change because as soon as he failed in that expectation for them, in just a a little under a week, you would see these many of these same people, their cries would change from Hosanna to crucify him. Oh, how quickly they changed uh, and turned on Jesus when he did not fulfill their expectations. Those who hailed him as a hero would soon reject him and abandon him. But that will be later. This is now, as Jesus rides down toward the gate of the city. Crowds are growing. There's a festive air. Even before Jesus arrives, the news would spread throughout the crowd about the fact that This is the one who raised Lazarus. You see, Jesus had just raised one of their own uh, just days before, and uh, this would be spreading all throughout, and the excitement that would uh, come along with it. Have you heard the news? Uh, Lazarus was dead. He was buried in a tomb. He was in there for days. I was there. I saw it. I saw this man speak, and Lazarus, this dead man, came walking out of the tomb. News travels from one person to another. So when Jesus is ready to enter the city, a crowd has collected and has gathered along the sides of the road. He was here. They had cut palm branches and were shouting Hosanna to the king. Excitement was all throughout the city. Crowds of people spread their coats down on the ground in front of him. By the way, this is even a, a greater uh, thing if you realize that this was a day when most people uh, had only one, maybe two sets of clothing. And when you only have one set of clothing and you lay part of that down in front of Jesus, that's a sacrifice. Some waved branches, a sign of victory. The people shouted. Now, when we, we've we seen this in Sunday school, you're probably imagining the pictures that they put up on the board, uh, even in Sunday school and and uh, you see Jesus rioting and people cheering and waving. And, and to be honest with you, I like this scene. I like this visual. Because much of Jesus' ministry, he was despised and rejected of men. Many people following him only wanted what they could get out of him. In fact, Jesus at one point had uh, has said, you, you only follow me because of the bread. He fed 5,000 and all of a sudden many more people were following him. Followed him for the wrong reasons. Most people rejected any kind of commitment to Jesus. But this day is different somehow. We, we see this day and it's as it should be. Jesus is getting praised. He's getting adored. And, and I don't know about you, but when I look at this story, I just I almost have to think it's about time. All the, all the uh, negativity in his life. It's about time that Jesus is praised like this. Jesus sees it all. He sees loving faces. He sees the angry faces of the Pharisees, probably the anxious faces of the apostles. The crowd is trampling almost upon one another when all of a sudden the whole procession stops. Let me ask you a question in your mind as you picture this scene, as you picture uh, all the people, the cheering, the shouting, and the uh the, the pageantry of it all, Jesus is walk uh, riding on this donkey down the middle of the street, and the people are cheering for him. As you see this in your mind's eye, what do you picture or what do you imagine that Jesus is doing? i I go to parades once in a while, and maybe we picture him like those people that are sitting on the back of a convertible uh, that whether it be the the, uh, the I, I was at a, at a uh, back in Michigan years ago, I was at a parade and they had like, I don't know, Mrs. Heifer of the city or whatever it was, some kind of cow festival. And uh, sitting on the back of the car, waving and smiling at everybody. Maybe somebody's uh, like they see, you see on a parade when you have the, uh, sitting on a wagon or something and, and waving and smiling and acknowledging all the cheering. Is that what we picture Jesus doing? The people who were closest to Jesus realized that it was he who had stopped the parade. According to the word of God here, he stopped and, and uh, it, it seems as though they probably saw his body begin to shake. Or they saw, at, at, maybe at first they thought he was laughing. I mean, this was certainly a time of celebration. It was a time to laugh. Laughter would seem natural but then they saw his face and it was not laughter. Look at verse 41, Luke chapter 19. And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it. They saw sorrow. They saw tears. He was not laughing. He was not smiling. He was not waving. The Bible says he was weeping. The word for wept the original Greek word is Clio. Is this means to weep for, to bewail, to mourn. The same word is found in Matthew chapter 26, verse 75. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. Clio. Here in the midst of this victorious celebration, the king begins to mourn. We understand Jesus loved this city. He loved every stone. He loved every street. He loved every person within this city. He even loved Caiaphas and that motley crew of thieves that were working with him. Jesus loved all of them. So now he gazes down on Jerusalem. Jerusalem, by the word, the very word Jerusalem means peace, and yet they had known so little of it. In their history, they had known 30, at least that we know of, sieges against that city. Now here Jesus is himself. According to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, he is the prince of peace. Yet, this is a, who they were about to cast out and crucify. How blind they were. Verse 42, when he's weeping and praying over them, he says, This thy day, this was their day, he was the Messiah, he was the King of Israel, yet in the blindness of their own thinking, listen now, in their own desires they rejected what he had to offer because they were only after what they wanted. Jesus was praised by an adoring multitude. He was surrounded by a strong and beautiful city. Everything looked positive, yet he knew that within a week, everything would change. Within a week, he would be crucified there. He also knew that in 40 years, the Jerusalem would be destroyed. He would have seen the money changers outside the temple. He's about to take care of them. and uh, He knew that the city was demoralized by a cancer of unbelief and sin. The joy of the praise did not lift his spirits for long. He began to weep over the city. How great was their blindness. He says, if thou hast known, even thou, at least in this thy day. His cry, most of all, was for the fact that they did not recognize him as their Messiah. They wanted somebody that would free them from Rome. He may not be here to set them free from Rome, but He can set them free from their sinful condition. He can give them a home in heaven. What He had for them, don't miss this, was so much greater than what they thought He could offer them. But they didn't want what He could offer them. Oh, friend, today the plea is the same. Jesus Christ can save you. He can change you. He can set you free. And yet so many reject Him. You may be listening to me under the Sonomoi voice right now and say, you know what, if I was there, no, friend, you are there. We have the same opportunity these people had. You see, Jesus or the Jews missed the whole point of the message that God had given them. The fact that they waved palm branches shows that they misunderstood. This is what the forefathers did when the Maccabees overthrew the Syrian oppressors. The fact that they lay garments showed they didn't understand. In 2 Kings 9:13, only a king would be greeted this way. And the people wanted Jesus to be their earthly king. Most of the people did not understand what kind of king Jesus would be. They had no clue what Jesus really had to offer them. And Jesus wept. He wept. Let us not make the same mistake. Today, just like the city of Jerusalem, we find ourselves in the presence of Jesus. I like the fact that though we may be separated by social distancing, social distancing will never separate you from your Savior. He's always present. Whether in the presence of two or three witnesses, he, or two or three, he is always found there. I wonder what he finds as he looks out onto our faces, as he observes our life? Does he find people who are concerned about temporary things? Does he find people who are busy doing their own things so much that they never bother to consider what is eternally important? Oh, here's the most important question. Does he see folks so wrapped up in their own expectations that they miss what he really has for them? It amazes me today as you look around, uh, just at, at mankind in general and the expectations that people have of Jesus. And it's what he has for us is so much greater than many people's expectations of him. Three times we see Jesus weep in the Bible. We see the tears at Bethany at the graveside of Lazarus in John chapter 11, verse 35. These were tears of sympathy. There were the tears in the garden. Those were tears of suffering. And then there was the tears at Jerusalem, right here in this passage, and this is tears over sin. When he looks into your life, dear friend, I wonder, will he weep because of what he sees, or will he rejoice? Oh, so much of that depends on what we do with him and how we see him. Do we see Him for who He is? He is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the Son of God. Let us rejoice in Him today, but let us do it uh, by the standard of who He really is. Let me ask you, friend, is He your Savior? Is He your personal Savior? Do you know that you know that you know today if something would happen to you right now that you would die and you would be in heaven? Do you know that? The Bible tells us we can know that, and it all depends what we do with the Lord Jesus Christ. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible says in Romans 6:23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We earn our own death because of our sin. That is something we earn, but we cannot possibly earn heaven. That's why the tense changes in that passage. The wages of sin is death, something we earn, but the gift of God is eternal life, something He gives. What a blessing. You can know Him personally today. Do not delay, uh, because... What, what, a, what better day would it be to come and call on Jesus Christ on the day that we celebrate uh, Palm Sunday, the day that he was celebrated? Jesus was celebrated, but not for what he really was. I want to celebrate him today for what he really is. He, Are you redeemed? And listen, friend, if you're not saved, man, give me a call or call somebody who can show you from the Word of God how you can accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. We must be redeemed and then be released. Uh, Many times we feel like sin still has a hold on us. He can release you as well, and then are you ruled? We need to be like that cult was, redeemed, released, and we need to be ruled. Let us see Jesus for who he is. Dear Father, we thank you so much for the passage that we have here in front of us.